2: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.
3: It's a good day to be alive. We're oh, back. Yes, it
2: is a good day to
3: be alive. You know, you know, I took. D- my is there a day where it's not a good day to be alive? No, I just it's a reminder. Well, but it's if there a, is a important. day to not. I always think about that. I'm like, when you say that, I'm like, well, it, would there ever be a day not
4: good enough to be alive? You know, some people might feel that way. So I'm telling them.
3: You know, it's a good day. Also, oh, you're being motivational. You're yeah, being, and for myself, positivity. Not, this toxic. <laughs> not every type of positivity is toxic, but most of it is. So, <laughs>
4: let's just all be negative then. What's no, the alternative? You don't have to be negative. What's the a, alternative? There's a
3: realism that I feel like is lost in 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 toxic. It's like
4: positivity. when you ask. <laughs>
3: Justin, me. don't you produce Don't weird? you think there's a such thing as being too positive?
2: I I I think positivity is always a good place to be at. Of
3: course, but there's too much there can be a thing of too positive. Yeah, I mean
4: Maybe you're surrounded by toxic positive people here.
2: I'm well I don't think <laughs> just, I mean Justin is like far from being toxic positive. I, I'm realistic positive. And, I, and I, I like that. I try to be a little bit more than realistic positive, mm-hmm. but then yeah, I am not toxic you, positive. You
4: know, I was gonna ding, say Ding ding ding. It reminds me of when you ask someone, How are you? And it's like do you really want to hear how someone is? Like No you know, one like, ever
3: wants to hear how someone actually is. <laughs> like, well that's Please. what I'm saying.
4: So you asked me and if I was like, Okay, well I'm good, but you know, this happened this you'd be like, sure, just stop at I'm good.
3: <laughs> yeah, I mean there's a there's a thing called oversharing. <laughs>
4: So that's what I'm doing. I'm just saying it's a good day to be alive. Well, I
3: need you to overshare and tell everyone what the show is about
4: Okay, that I can do. Uh, A trans man was kicked out of an Uber and is speaking out, joining us next hour because he is asking Uber to change some things. Uh, Everything you need to know about long-term COVID at 4.20 p.m. Pacific, 7.20 p.m. Eastern, and in 30 minutes, voting rights fails. So how should we proceed next? That is happening on the show.
3: Good stuff. Good stuff.
4: Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. In President Joe Biden's first year in office, there's been a lot of progress for LGBTQ plus Americans, but more needs to be done. And that's according to a new report from Lambda Legal. The report additionally calls on the administration to work hard to pass the Equality Act, which would ban anti-LGBTQ plus discrimination nationwide in a bunch of aspects of life. Biden has called the act a priority, but it has been stalled in Congress. We should actually get Lambda Legal on to talk more about that.
3: I feel like we haven't had Lambda on in a while. We gotta get we had them, them back. Last week.
2: Did we yes, using we did. track of time already? <laughs> yeah. it, be, wow. it just feels like forever because so much has happened. Right I know. Right? there's always the news
3: cycle's just always going. And also, if I'm being honest, I barely mm-hmm. remember people on yes from yesterday. Uh, it's just a circle of what we do. It's true. It's true. I'm not gonna lie about it.
4: Now, U.S. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell is trending on Twitter after making a horrible comment related to voting rights, where he implied African Americans are not Americans.
1: Well, the concern is misplaced because if you look at the statistics, African American voters are voting in just as high a percentage as Americans. <laughs>
3: I mean, I don't think he insinuated anything. I think he meant what he said. And I don't think he views just much like the Republican Party. I don't think they view people with my skin color as actual Americans, you know. Um, and, um, and and I think that's just very telling. And I think uh, Joe Biden said something brilliant in his uh, his speech yesterday of just simply asking, what do Republicans stand for? Tell mm. me, what do they stand for? And I think Mitch McConnell proves it every time he opens his mouth.
4: Yep. And, of course, that happens now. Right right before the vote to move the John Lewis Voting Rights Advancement Act to the Senate floor, which did fail yesterday. And finally, we reported about how Texans got impacted by a storm last year, losing power. Well, now 400,000 Texas homes and businesses could lose power next week over a dispute between energy firms. As winter weather approaches, a major pipeline company is threatening to cut off gas supply to roughly a third of the power plants owned by the state's biggest generator, over a financial dispute from last February's deadly winter storm. And who's now going to be punished for this? Everyone, right? Which is really unfortunate. So hopefully they'll figure it out so that does not happen again. But that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Well, I have some interesting news. There's a new Bill Cosby documentary, and I'm not sure people asked for it. Um, it's time for the no, team definitely Report. No, not. Those pop culture stories trending right now. Um, Bill Cosby's fall from Hollywood grace will be chronicled in an upcoming four-part Showtime documentary series from comedian uh, W. W. Co- is it Kamal? Mm-hmm. Okay, hmm Okay, uh, thank you. <laughs> Y'all know I'm country. Um, oh, but yeah. But W. Kamau Bell, um, and it's called We Need to Talk About Cosby, and it's set to premiere at the virtual Sundance Fe- uh, Film Festival, January 22nd, and will debut on Showtime, January 30th. The first trailer of the series dropped literally today, and we'll take a deep dive into the life and career of the disgraced 84-year-old. Here's a clip. A lot of people knew because you can't do what he did unless you have other people supporting what you're doing. Spanish fly,
2: the girl would drink it, and hello, American.
1: Bill Cosby had been one of my heroes. I'm a black man, stand-up comic, I was born in the 70s. But this?
5: More trouble for Bill Cosby.
6: The
1: accusations just keep coming in. This was complicated.
3: Ooh. Yeah, Yikes. this is complicated. Um, now, if you don't remember, Bill Cosby was released from prison in June 2021 after he served two years of a three to 10 year sentence for sexual assault. He appealed uh, to the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, who overturned his 2018 com- uh, conviction. The uh, trailer features more archival clips of Cosby in interviews and on his iconic 80s sitcom. And, of course, after his release, he tweeted this. I have never changed my stance nor my story. I have always maintained my innocence. I am, I'm just like, I'm not even sure. What.
4: Do you realize I just remember that I interviewed Bill Cosby in 2009, I
3: think. Is that something you want want to...
4: No, I'm just like, I I can't believe we've been reporting about this forever, and I was like, oh yeah, I remember. Well,
3: you know, I have a Bill, I mean, Bill Cosby was the first set of tickets that I had ever won, like, to his comedy show. It was the first tickets I had ever won on a radio station. I called in, and me and my mom went. And, I mean, at the time, it was, like, iconic because I love the Cosby show. I love the different world. Like, his art is something to really be talked about, (laughs) but... The artist is awful. This whole
4: thing is making me go down memory lane. So I Googled Sheer Lazar-Bill This is like You're really thing. telling
3: everyone to do this, huh? No,
4: I just found my CBS News article, which they haven't taken down. Like, I haven't worked for CBS
3: News forever. It's still up. Do you want to go ahead and tell why you don't work? <laughs> Shira's just opened it up. No, I just find work. it like I, I'm just getting some weird, oh my
4: God, flashbacks.
3: Well, I'm going to have Sheer go through that, whatever she's going through. Slash I'm I'm traumatized. (laughs) That is your team report. We got more coming up next hour.
4: Okay, next up, Florida's governor brings up an Orwellian idea of election security. We're going to be telling you more about that next with The Washington Post. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has a plan to protect elections from voter fraud. A special police force to oversee state elections, which voting rights advocates fear could make the whole situation much worse. And joining us right now is Lori Rosa, Washington Post reporter based in Florida. Thanks for being here.
7: Hi, happy to be here. Thank you.
4: Well, what would this police force do exactly? What would it look
7: like? Really good question, because the governor is his proposal is light on details. It seems like we could read into it almost whatever we want. He gives us the numbers and the money he wants to spend. But uh, we don't know what those folks would do.
3: Wow. Uh, <laughs> well, thank you. <laughs> I think for me, this just reminds me of uh, where a lot of things, the big lie of it all. Right. And I, it reminds me of when people were all saying all these claims, especially Trump, when he was filling of, you know, Saying these claims and, and saying that there was a lot of people with voter fraud and, and doing things at the ballot, but no one could prove that. So, what are are they going to just have people just waiting at these these voting stations? Are these mail in ballots? Like, what is, what's actually going to happen here? Like, what are they tasked to do?
7: You know, that's such an excellent question, and it's so important. And as a voter in Florida, I want to know yep. if there are going to be police at my polling place or police at the drop. Box that may or may not be open. So we don't know. And that's one of the things that makes it um, alarming. The details are so unclear. And anytime you put the words police and elections together, it brings back some really um, scary moments of our history, right? Especially after Reconstruction and Jim Crow and just having police with their batons or their weapons or whatever just even near a voting place. For many, many years after Jim Crow, there was a big effort to prevent those two things from happening. You don't need cops to vote, right? And it can be intimidating for especially, you know, people of color, communities, marginalized communities, folks who might be leery of the police for many good reasons. They go to vote if they see a police officer there. What are they to think? You know, and down here in Florida, there's a big effort to get returning citizens um, to be able to register to vote, and that's been somewhat sidetracked, but still many, many returning, you know, formerly incarcerated folks are eligible to register to vote, but some of them, the laws has been made very confusing since the amendment passed, but um, some of them are, you know, a little wary because they don't want to commit another crime. And if you see a cop, yeah. you know, there where you're supposed to vote, you might be intimidated. So the details are very important, but we don't have them yet. And yeah. as you were mentioning, um, the fraud, the big lie, the fraud is just isn't here. It's just as, you know, we quote in our story, minuscule amount, just tiny amount. Yeah. Um,
4: it's really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, You think like hire more people to help people to vote instead of limiting <laughs> the vote or scaring people away. It's like we're living in the upside down.
7: Well, you know, in um, the supervisors of elections, we talked to one of them um, specifically in Broward County, Joe Scott, he's worried that that very idea of civically engaged people reg- helping folks register to vote, which is, you know, a grand American tradition mm-hmm. with folks who are involved in the community and our democracy. He's worried that those people are also going to be intimidated because what if they somehow worry that a line of is on a wrong line or something? It's just, you know, in the the vagueness of the proposal adds, I believe, to the fear.
3: And if you're just now joining us, we're talking to Washington Post reporter uh, based in Florida, Lori Rosa. And I can't help but wonder, Ron DeSantis' star has risen as kind of like the the conservative favorite all of a sudden. And it, it, it feels so wild. Can you tell us how he even got to this point where he's really ushering in what it seems like the next era of the Republican Party?
7: Well, he became the governor of, you know, what's you know populist state um i think you know it's one of the i think second large huge population in florida right more people moving every day um and he became governor in 2018 by i think he won by a mere 30,000 votes and he got there because he was put over the top in that race um, because he was anointed by um then president donald trump Mm. for whatever reason um uh trump um chose to endorse Ron DeSantis over the more traditional Republican candidate, and his star just, you know, took off after that. He had been a uh, Florida congressman, sort of came in during the Tea Party, so that's his background, and uh, he just he ran for governor and was successful and since then has just garnered, just sort of rolled into even more success. He has a lot of support from the GOP.
4: So I guess you've said what voting rights experts are saying, and they're obviously against this. What happens now? When will this start being implemented?
7: Well, it hasn't passed yet. And that's kind of an interesting thing about it, is that um, neither the um, Florida Senate nor the Florida House who are in session right now, no one has taken it up as a bill to actually support. You know, the governor can propose all he wants, and usually he gets what he wants. But no one has taken this under their wing to sort of usher it through the legislative uh, process. Yeah. That may happen or it may have to change before it gets there. But so far they're you know, even his own party members are kind of uh, not stiff arming him, but hmm. so far keeping a
3: distance. Is he no, th- it
7: may it may not be implemented. That would be a surprise. He may have to change it a little bit, but um but right now it's just the governor saying I want this to be done.
3: What do you think Governor Ron DeSantis is probably gonna run in twenty twenty four for president? Well
7: he's um he calls that nonsense and speculation, mm-hmm. but his, uh, he, he raises a lot of money out of state. So, um, you know, it's reasonable speculation, I think. Hmm.
4: OK, well, lots to uh, think about and possibly be concerned by. A lot Thanks to be again. By. <laughs> Thanks again, Lori Rosa, Washington Post reporter based in Florida. Appreciate Great. it. Thanks for having me. Well, next up, we are continuing the conversation on voting.
3: Yeah, Senate Democrats have failed again in efforts to pass voting rights legislation. So what will this mean for voters of color and the midterm elections that is coming up next? Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced.
1: Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy.
5: all lowercase. Go to Shopify.com slash now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com Odyssey Podcast.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too, with the name your price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds.
3: Senate Democrats suffered a major defeat Wednesday evening in their efforts to pass voting rights legislation, a key issue for the party, and let's just be honest, democracy. So what does this mean for the midterms? Joining us for this conversation is Mondale Robinson, the executive director of the Black Male Voter Project. Thank you so much for joining us.
6: Thanks for having me.
3: Yeah, so before we get into, obviously, what this means for the midterms, how much of a disappointment is this to you and the work that you've been doing?
6: I mean, honestly, you know, Wednesday was was just political theater. Mm-hmm. Um, we knew we knew going into Wednesday that the Democrats had no no path to passing voting rights bill. The disappointment didn't start on Wednesday. For me, the disappointment in this administration and its tactics or lack thereof uh, is the fact that we are a year into the administration and they're just trying to push a vote on, on voting on voting rights for black people. And I say for black people because we know who have been discriminating. Uh, Not just this cycle, but since uh, the 15th Amendment, I think I think Joe Biden and 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 his administration allowed the inner whiteness of the Democratic Party to cause them to put them in this position where they are really running the risk of losing the midterms in a way that's going to set them back and, and this entire country back for a long time.
4: Yeah. I mean, you said it. I got chills the the moment you said that because it's very true. And you are working leading up to this whole thing and you continue to do amazing work with your organization. For some context, can you tell folks more about it?
6: Yeah. uh, Black Male Voter Project and Black Male Voter Project uh, Education Fund are the first and only national organization with the sole purpose of increasing Black men's participation. And it came out of 20 years of frustration. I've been in politics for 20 plus years now. And what I've noticed is the talking cues and the polls were always wrong about what it took or what it takes to move black men from their couches. If they have homes, to the voting booths. And what I saw was white consultant class talking uh, about a demographic that they didn't usually include in, in the points, especially if we're talking about a majority of black men and a majority of black men in this country don't participate in elections. And it's not because black men are apolitical or apathetic. It's actually the exact opposite. I've never met a black man that's apolitical. It's that level of antipathy uh, antipathy is a completely different emotion than apathy that exists in black men. And it's tied to the transactional nature in which the Democratic Party and all of its auxiliaries uh, reach out to black men two months before an election with proverbial fried chicken and church mm-hmm. fans. So we yeah. we we thought it was extremely important that we, we create an organization that actually first, before we even start talking to black men about politics, we just listen to black men about what's going on in their lives. Because uh, Maslow Hierarchy Needs tells us, if a people don't have their basic needs met, they can't think about things that are self-actualization. And the way we present politics to black men in this country is just that self-actualization. Um, so we we listen to black men and not those who vote normally, but the, the majority of black men who don't participate in elections at all, uh, yeah. particularly the demographic that had not voted in five consecutive federal election that means black men that were old enough to vote for barack obama in 2012 but did not they didn't vote in 2014 16 or 18 and what we found out was uh, there are there are ways to motivate these brothers to the to, to the polls and it's not about personalities it's not about party loyalty it's about issues that are important to them and the democratic party has yet to invest in in, in real work to yeah. address these issues. And so these brothers sit at home.
3: So if you're just now joining us, we're talking to the, the executive director of the Black Male Voter Project, Mondale Robinson. And, you know, speaking about your organization, it sounds like you all are doing some really incredible work. But as a black queer person, black queer man myself, I always wonder, do organizations like yours look at the intersectional experiences of all black men, including queer and trans people?
6: Yeah, I mean, it's it, it, it's impossible to talk about black men uh, if we if we leave out any of those, uh, that demographic, the entire demographic is marginalized, but especially those who, uh, are, you know, queer, queer and trans brothers. So we, we absolutely include, uh, that, that's an in, important part of our uh, closing the participation gap on yeah. where black men are in electoral politics, especially. And the way, I think the beginning of our program, we have an approach called the BMEP auditory approach, and it's a room for black men only no cameras, no white people, no women just black men and in these spaces we are allowed to correct some of those misnomers that that sometimes get uh that come from brothers who are not uh engaged in political work where in most spaces they would be canceled where we when there are no cameras when there are no women in the room it's better it's easier to correct uh like dumb ideas about what it means to be black and queer in the united states so we absolutely uh have space uh, in in for, for the for the queer population, for sure.
3: Well, I love that. I love to hear that because I think that's where a lot of the issue is when we're, when we're talking about terms of liberation. Oftentimes, we can't really achieve that if everyone is not, you know, free or talking about all the needs of the entire community. But as we wrap up here, because we do have to wrap up, I think we should really highlight, you know, what are some of the problems that voters around the country could face when they go to the polls during this year's midterm elections, especially, you know, with everything going on? On. how should we be looking at this
6: well i don't i don't, I don't think uh you know uh the, po- the the problem that voters are gonna especially black men and the black population are gonna uh face will be unique i think the difference is the lack of polls that that will be available to these to these yeah. demographics the longer lines because of the lack of machines and the lack of investments we see party uh Republican parties all over this country, narrowing days on which people can participate in in elections and also cutting back funding and refusing to allow other people private funding to support county parties. So I think what's going to happen is we're going to have people not participating because of the lack of days and also uh, polling locations to vote.
4: And and just finally, what can the administration do moving forward now that the voting rights legislation was not passed? Where do the Democrats stand moving forward?
6: I, I honestly think the administration uh, needs to hold Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema's feet to the fire yes. and make them act like Democrats. You, you can't be a part of a caucus and only vote for what you want. The majority of the Democratic Party party supports uh, voting rights. We need to pass voting rights, especially since we see what's happening with the Republican Party at state levels, yeah. and you have to couple that with the fact that. Uh, Joe Manchin and Kirsten Sinema was not what this administration told black people would be in their way if we gave them the Senate and the White House and we did just...
3: That was it. Well, thank you so much, uh, Mondale Robinson, for all your incredible work and in joining us for this conversation. It was so incredible. And once again, make sure to check out Mondale's work at the Black Male Voter Project. Um, it's super and super important, and you can find out how you can get involved there. But what's coming up next?
4: Well, a judge is stepping down after berating a 70-year-old cancer patient, and it was all caught on camera. That's after this. A Michigan judge fined and ridiculed a 72-year-old man with cancer for not being able to mow his lawn. This is what we've, you know, life has come down to here in America where people have no compassion for each other. Here's the moment caught on camera that's going viral in social media.
8: I am a cancer patient, very old man, and I am a cancer patient. I was then very weak and sick. uh, sick. Very weak, and this time of rainy season, I cannot look look after this thing.
4: Ah, uh, well, that was that was the man. But do we have a re- the reaction from the judge? Because this is crazy. Be ashamed of yourself. If I could give you jail time on this, I would. <laughs> The fine is one hundred dollars. Pay it by February
7: first. You've got to get that cleaned up. That is totally inappropriate.
5: Oh my God. I am very Teekman
3: That is shameful. I mean, um, well, I want to go back to your talking point yeah. about. Uh, well I, I I think you I think you're right when you're saying this is what we came to but I, I think the system the judicial system has always been like this mm. um, especially to people of color <laughs> um, this reaction I it, it, honestly for me it felt like oh it's Tuesday um, because it's you know this is just the regular way of it doing it and it's just really sad because the reason why he even got this way is obviously because he's sick but then also his son was out like um, was out I guess of town for a year and really couldn't keep up with it and so he took he took responsibility but the thing was here was this judge and the reaction of just disregarding that this man is sick and cannot do it instead she ridiculed him publicly and did not offer any help but offered yeah. only a um, a response that felt like. Well, why are you in the position that you're in? Because I can only... Now I'm only thinking how many times has she treated other mm, people yep. like this throughout her career, right? Yeah. And it's... um. I, I think I, I... I guess my question is, should we just kind of chalk this up as her having a bad day?
4: Uh, well, we haven't, because after this there was a petition that, like, hundreds of thousands of people signed, and it caused her to get fired.
3: Well, I'm... But I'm so saying, not- like, should she should have been looked at as like, maybe mm. she was having a bad day.
4: Uh, unless, well, no I, no. I think that there's, I don't think there's ever a time that this is appropriate unless she literally apologizes right away yeah. and then uh, ends up having another solution for this person, right? yeah And says, sorry, something happened. This was not appropriate. I apologize, right? And in yeah. return... I'm going to help. I'm going to go and help this person. The whole neighborhood's going to come out and help. I'm getting it together. I don't even
3: think an apology is enough at this point. The way that she, I mean, her just saying how disgusting it, it was. I mean, he's sick. He can't move. And he can't do the things that he was once able to do. In the fact that she was willing to give him jail time if that was a possibility is just wild to me. Yeah. Uh well, right, you Justin, what's that? What, what No, do you I was though? just
2: gonna say, like there going back to your point of like could this person have a bad day? I mean some some professions you're not allowed to have a bad day. A I, police I officer, you, you if you have a bad day, people die. Yeah. If you have a bad day as a judge, you're putting someone away for a good chunk of their life. Yeah. So you're just not allowed to have a bad day in some professions.
4: There's country. a huge responsibility here. And unfortunately she has been around for a long time. And what you just said it really resonates in terms of like how many other people's lives has she ruined?
3: Right. Yeah. Because when people get this type of power, they just go crazy with it and forget the humanity aspect of this, of what that job could be. Right. That's what's wrong with our our judicial system, because there's no humanity when they when they see people of color, regardless of what age uh, generationally, like they're just willing to knock down and, and do the punishment. I wonder if that was like her grandfather, if that was someone in her family, would she have would she have treated them in that same? Probably way?
4: not. Well, that's what empathy is. The core of empathy is treating someone the way you'd want to be treated, or you would treat someone you love. You don't need to be related to someone or like someone to treat someone fairly. And
3: even if you don't care about empathy, it's just like now, girl. Now, guess what? You're out of a job. What well, do you want to actually, do? Actually, wait.
4: So the the change.org is calling for her uh, her to step down or to them to remove her. It, ha- it hasn't entirely happened yet. I just oh, wanted to so prep that. gotta make that. sure
3: this. Does happen so because you you're getting 150 thousand votes. Sometimes right. some, somebody's going to have to um, do something because that's why. And I, I guess I really want to mention this as well, a part of the conversation. That's why it is so important to vote in your local election. Exactly because who you appoint onto these like your local, you know, you know your your judicial system is why we're getting you know moments like this. Unfortunately, look at people before you're voting for them. Understand what they're what they're for and what they you know what they want to do in this system and we would never see an Alexis G, whatever her name is
4: anyway (laughs) the local level is important, yeah you could go to change.org just search remove Judge Alexis Crott with a K to sign that petition now Well, after this, a Christian couple is being called out for refusing to sell their home to a
5: gay couple. Details next on What's Trending This Hour. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me.
2: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites.
4: Lots coming up still on the show today, including more music right here on Channel Q. So don't go anywhere. we have the trans man who was kicked out of an Uber and his story went viral joining us in 15 minutes to share what actually happened and why he's calling them out. I mean, and what he wants Uber to change so it doesn't happen again.
3: I mean, yeah, because this is scary when and uh, all, it's unfortunate. It's not a new story. This is a story where a lot of queer and trans folks often feel unsafe. And we have to have to figure this out and have the necessary conversation.
4: Definitely. And of course, I also see uh, She has taken a recent break, and she revealed why that's in the T-Report in a moment. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour. A British couple who call themselves Christians listed their home for sale, but controversy has erupted after they refused to allow a gay couple to look at the property, let alone buy the house. The couple has previously written to politicians also, the bad couple, that is, to urge them to discriminate against LGBTQ people. (laughs) Sounds like you
3: were talking about the good place, like the the bad place. The bad couple. (laughs) (laughs)
4: The good couple, Luke Whitehouse, and his partner Lachlan Mantel has since um, gotten attention from the news. They have made headlines, including a story in the Daily Mail. And we're learning that they've been separated on different continents due to COVID travel restrictions. And they insist they're still trying to find a home in the area, but it won't be at that house. So we wish them luck. And it's just really sad to hear stories like that come out. Now, members of the Missouri State Highway Patrol are getting some flashbacks to Batman this week after an emergency alert was mistakenly sent out to mobile devices statewide. The message meant to be part of the test of the state's blue alert system. Earlier this week read, Gotham City, M-O, purple-green. And then, like, it talked about a car. But imagine getting a text message about Gotham City sent to your phones.
3: Well, you know... One, I would be super upset because Batman is the worst hero ever. He's not even a hero. He's a vigilante. Um, But that's just my hot take of it all. You know? (laughs) Yeah. Um, And then also, if you are like a fan of Gotham, I always think about like, why don't people who live in Gotham leave Gotham? Like, I would never... They can't because it's a fake story. No. No. It's not a fake story. You just got to think about it. If you were living in a a crime-ridden city, wouldn't you want to move? Yep, I would want to move unless you
4: like self torture.
3: Man, I think that's mostly everyone in Gotham.
4: <laughs> yeah. Now, finally, M and M's has a big new announcement. Uh, a newly announced makeover for the characters has prompted many on social media to call for the return of the previous, more classic hot M and M's.
3: Yeah, like give the green M M&M and M her heels back. <laughs> Why would you put her in a yeah. sneaker? M and M's. You know what? That's it's disgusting. hard to live in heels all no, the time. she's, like, she, that is her character. That's who she is. <laughs> she, she deserves some flats, that. too. No, she's like Carrie Bradshaw. She goes nowhere without a good shoe. And look and at And they her, put her in a white she, sneaker?
4: She had a hip replacement, practically. <laughs> what? Carrie Bradshaw in the show had a hip replacement.
3: Yeah, but she still wore a heel three <laughs> months later. <laughs> okay, fair enough. I thought you were talking about the green M&M had a hip replacement.
4: <laughs> well, the M&M's parent company, Mars, announced uh, today that the candy characters will have have more nuanced personalities to underscore the importance of self expression and power of community. This is so storytelling. stupid
3: because I saw the photo of them and they don't look different besides the shoe thing. Like so, they look exactly no, the same. No,
4: actually, they gave the MMs arms and leg- legs that match their shell color They've instead of tan had flesh. Had arms tone, and legs.
3: But they, didn't have, they had tan oh, flesh. Oh, but they were just white MMs? Tan, yeah.
4: Or, yeah, like a tan so color. So now they're just
3: orange and green. They're their
4: own color, they're representing their own color. Uh, the two Maybe he- the
3: Republicans are right. Maybe we're a little too woke.
4: <laughs> the two female characters will wear less stereotypically feminine attire now as well. Wow. As you mentioned, the brown m M&M m heels have been lowered to sensible pumps <laughs> so instead of their things. signature go-go boots. The green m M&M m now sports a pair of, quote, cool lead-back sneakers to reflect her effortless confidence. Um, this, You know what work went into this, by the way? Can we just talk about that? This was probably like a year
3: in the making. Like, what was the first meeting of being like, <laughs> you know, guys, I've been thinking about it, but we really should, like, make our M&Ms more inclusive.
4: It was like 2020. We need an overhaul. An M&M overhaul. This yeah. is going to be a two-year process. We're and thinking 2022, the big I don't even reveal. think anyone's complained about
3: this. Like, who? I, I've never who seen this, this brought up in a, in a conversation ever. Like, you know those M&Ms? Like, they got those tan skin tones. That's weird, huh? Never in my life.
4: All right. Let us know what you think of the new M&Ms at LGT show. Wow. All right, that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news right
3: now? Well, Sia is admitting why she hasn't been in the spotlight much, and it is time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories is trending right now. So, uh, it's really sad and trigger warning for anyone listening. Um, Sia was suicidal and checked herself mm-hmm. into a rehab after receiving major backlash from the public over directing a controversial 2021 film about autism. So, she spoke to the New York Times about Kathy Griffin who uh, was also canceled following a 2017 photo shoot in which she had a, a fake decapitated Donald Trump head. Y'all remember. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I guess she uh, Sia revealed that uh, Kathy pulled her out of her depression mm-hmm. saying, I was suicidal and relapsed and went to rehab. She saved my life. Um, And amid the backlash, uh, Sia said that Griffin took her to her Hollywood hotspot, Craig, so paparazzi would take their photo together and change the conversation in the media the next day. Now if you are Like, you know, this was a while ago. If you don't remember, music was the video that uh, Sia directed, uh, which was written and directed by her and was centered around the story of a teenager with autism. But she was lambasted by uh, disability rights activists for casting Maddie Ziegler, who was not on the autism spectrum. And several actors um, with autism spoke out against Sia's film, including uh, actress Chloe Hayden, who told The Times that casting Ziegler was, quote, undermining Autistic people's capabilities and making us out to be infants. And I remember that day on Twitter, Sia was doubling down, telling people that they couldn't act, you know, just really upset that, you know, people were speaking out against it instead. And she was like, Well, I've done this. I've I've created this platform. You should, y'all should be happy that you're seeing autism in this life. But it was actually really, really offensive. And if I'm being honest, as we wrap this up, I, I, I feel bad for anyone who's going through a mental health hard time. Oh, yeah. But do not weaponize that coming back into the media without recognizing what you did to cause all of the backlash. That is a huge piece uh-huh. that was missing from what she was saying. I'm, I'm not understanding what people were going through that were actually on the autism spectrum and hearing that um, unfortunate, you know, how offensive it was. And so you can't weaponize your mental health issues when you're first coming out and if, and try to kind of, like, not take accountability for what you've what you done. But I do feel sad for her. I don't want anyone to feel that, but girl.
4: Well, yeah, it, it's just more seeing the whole picture, right? And I don't of, think of, she, and like, and she has. Of how she got there and why and her her
3: responsibility. Because and people weren't... Yeah. I, I, as we wrap, still wrap this up, people yeah. were not attacking her for no reason. It was valid like suggestions, and she's the one that kind of doubled down and didn't want to hear it, which allowed it to kind of spiral in the ways that it does. But you can find that more. Head over to airchannelq.com, and of course, keep us followed at Show everywhere. Um, and we got more show coming up, right?
4: Yeah, the story of a, a trans man who got kicked out of his Uber— And his story has actually uh, been covered everywhere, but what he wants us all to learn about what happened to him and how he wants Uber to change, that's next. 30-year-old trans man was attacked last Friday in Denver while waiting for a train. And he couldn't even get home after that because the Uber car he ordered kicked him out when he said he was trans.
3: Absolutely ridiculous. Yes.
4: And we have Sire Clinky joining us today to share more about what exactly happened and how he hopes things will change. Sire, welcome to the show. Hi. Hi. We really appreciate it. Um, If you can, sum up your experience that night of what happened.
9: Yeah, absolutely. So I was um, trying to get home um, after hanging out with a friend at a local gay bar. Um, it wasn't too late. Uh, it was, the incident happened between like 1030 and 1045 p.m. Um, off of 16th Street and um, in downtown Denver, so it's a pretty populated area. There's a lot of restaurants and stuff over there. Um, I was trying to get home. and I was t- trying to get the second to last train home, and I was pretty hyper focused on my uh, on my phone and ended up being assaulted while waiting for that train. Um, I then tried to get an Uber, like you said, um, and of course, being trans. Um, You know, there's a little bit of a process you have to go through to get your name changed and your identity um, as far as, like, your gender marker changed on your identification. And with Uber's current um, policies, my name does not necessarily reflect how my voice sounds or how I look. Um, And so I was questioned on whether or not I was the writer. I tried to say yes. Um, And at that point, I, you know, tried to explain myself. I was a trans man that had been assaulted and I was just trying to get home safe. And at that point, I was kicked out of the Uber um, which was pretty disheartening just in general all of that you know being from the south they never would have expected to happen in Denver Ugh.
6: wow oh my god
3: I, have you I guess for to put this in context have you ever felt unsafe, unsafe before kind of using Ubers in, in in the especially when it comes to this the name changing and the policies that we've even talked about here on the show
9: Um, you know, it is uncomfortable because I feel like I have to out myself every time I get in an Uber and not necessarily that I have to say that I'm trans, but, you know, there is always an awkward, like, are you sure this is you kind of moment where I have to kind of like verify like, oh yeah, this is my Uber, but I have, you know, felt uncomfortable enough to lie before and say like, oh, my friend got me the Uber, um, instead of just admitting it was me because it, you know, I don't think that that's something that anyone should have to do um, as a trans person is to like have to out yourself just to try to get a safe ride home. Oh
4: yeah, Definitely. Um, and again, so sorry, this happened to you. Has Uber responded at all?
9: Um, uh, initially I did get an email and a phone call from Uber. They didn't take a ton of information from me. And I had told them that the police are investigating the overall incident um and that they did have the uber part of the incident um was confirmed by denver police to be on film um but as far as i understand uber did not go through the efforts of even looking over that yeah um but they did offer me 15 dollars and told me that they talked to the uber driver and told him that you're not allowed to discriminate against people which to me was kind of a slap in the face i would I would much rather know that I'm safe taking future Ubers than fifteen dollars. To be honest,
3: yeah. And the company has said in a statement, Uber does not tolerate discrimination of any kind, and we will take the appropriate action. But clearly, that doesn't really uh, the action that they did take doesn't really even sum up half of what you've experienced. And I also think it's important to, when you when you said that you're from the South and being in Denver, this was a shock to you. Uh, that was a shock because um, Denver actually received a perfect score on the Human Rights Campaign's Municipal Equality Index and is widely considered one of the country's most LGBTQ-friendly cities. And so it is pretty shocking to have gone through that experience. So when you decided to share your story, what are your hopes in terms of kind of getting the word out of? about yeah. your experience.
9: Um, I mean, so I'm um, being from the South, one of the reasons I moved to Denver was because they are so LGBTQ plus friendly. Um, and so for me, it was super shocking and just very disheartening overall um, to experience that. But, um, you know, I still have confidence uh, in the city that the police have taken this uh, incident pretty serious. Um, but you know, I think it just shows that it could happen anywhere, um, and that overall, the LGBTQ plus community, you know, really needs um, the general public to you know step up and make sure that safe, you know, spaces are available for everybody. Because um, I think that does also extend outside of our community as well, you know.
4: Definitely. And we're just happy that you are okay right now. And we really appreciate you for having the courage to even share your story.
9: Oh, yes. Thank you. I, you know, I'm grateful to be in a position where I have, um, you know, overall a feeling of comfort and safety in my own life to be able to share my story because there's, you know, been incidences in the past where I haven't. Um, and I know people um, who haven't had the opportunity to share, you know, their stories when they've been in situations um, similar. And so I think, you know, it would be an injustice to, to be silent about what happened. Definitely.
4: Well, you're always welcome back here on Channel Q. We appreciate you for joining us today.
9: Of course. Thank you. I appreciate you guys.
3: You know, at this point, being a single person trying to date just sounds like prison. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> it's genuinely true, like really. So how's your
4: life going these days? <laughs> you
3: know, from being ghosted to being submarineed, um, it seems like our luck may be changing with a new term called hardballing. As defined by Logan Yuri, the director of relationship science at Hinge, um, basically they define this saying: "Hardballing is a new dating term that means someone is being clear about their expectations of a relationship, whether you want a serious long-term partnership or a casual fling." Which here's the thing: mm-hmm. I feel like the word that basically really describes this is being intentional. And my question is: being for honest. You, well, yeah, intentional. Right. I think intentional is really key here. Like, when was the like? When did you decide that you were going to be intentional about your dating experiences and finding like what you really wanted?
4: Well, I think I I always felt like I was being honest and transparent. But yeah, you're right. The intention behind it sometimes isn't as clear if you don't really know what you want. Yeah. Right. And so I think when I was younger and I was dating, I definitely liked the person and I wanted to be more than dating. Yeah. I wanted boyfriend, girlfriend or, you know, to be in a relationship. But I didn't really know what that actually meant. Like Mm -hmm. for me, I wasn't ready to talk about kids or perhaps marriage. So you could say I went into it because I just liked the person and I liked hanging out with them. And I saw an open ended future. (laughs) And as I got older, I think I went from being someone who was honest about if I liked someone and what I wanted from them to someone who's hard hardballing, which sounds like a sexual term, by the way.
3: Which uh, honestly, I, <laughs> sub, being submarined is not a good thing. But if it was a sex thing, I'm totally down for it. it sounds del- It sounds like a fun thing,
4: um, but- as long as you could breathe.
3: Uh, Sometimes <laughs> you don't want to. So,
4: so the thing is, as I got older, and I think the the m- most recently, you know, over COVID and having left my previous relationship and getting a you know older. I realized I did want to find that person I was going to have possibly a kid with, right? Yeah. And that changed how I looked at my dating.
3: Yeah, and so for me, I feel like intentional has been such the word that has popped up for me recently, um especially when it, in terms of specifically just dating. Mm-hmm. And I've I realized I had kind of like a breakthrough in some ways oh. of like of why I avoided uh, avoided like being intentional all the way. I avoided kind of like being intentional because there was this idea of like rejection that's a tied a tie to that. Because when you're intentional with like, if you say, hey, this is what I, I'm expecting, this is what I want, someone could really reject that and oh, say, yeah, totally. I don't want. And that for me was such a scary thing, which I know everyone goes through rejection. It, it doesn't, but for me, it just, it, it really does like, it's something that really does bother me, as it does any human. Um,
4: I think as humans, <laughs> the biggest fear we have is reduction, rejection. We're we're tribal. We're communal. We, we want acceptance and validation. Yeah,
3: but I'm I'm trying to get out of that. And I actually had a moment where, um, actually, no shade during the show, I was talking okay. to someone on a date, like on Hinge. Oh, that's okay. <laughs> that's what we're doing during the show. You know, during commercial break, I was talking of to course. someone, and we were, you know, you know, conversing, flirting a little bit. But then he was like, "Oh, let's hang out." And I was like, "Oh, was that?" you asking me out on a date, and he was like, oh, no, I'm looking for, like, friendships right now. And I said, well, if I'm being honest, I really want to be intentional about how I move forward in dating you don't need and, more friends and I said you know I really I'm I'm down I would love to have more friends but really I'm looking to be intentional to date someone yes. and find a relationship and he was like wow thank you so much for like communicating and, oh. and, and being clear about that and I think for me that was such a great moment because I was like wow maybe being intentional and being upfront isn't that bad thing or like I've always I've always when I tell you the idea of being rejected either publicly or behind scenes has really plays into like all my insecurities especially that I have that I'm still working through internalized stat phobia and just kind of like in the dating space it it can be very difficult and so I I think when I'm thinking about this hardballing is honestly the most beautiful thing that single people really need right now. Wow. Oh, oh, oh I was like oh my god my grinder so, yeah like, what's going on <laughs> no that's that's the grinder sound of When <laughs> producer Justin being funny how do we there. even
4: import that into our system <laughs> so yeah like I just don't like that it's called hardballing because it makes it seem like you're it's rough and hard when it's actually the most natural and important thing we need to be doing in our lives and with each other is communicating but sometimes
3: being rough and hard is kind of sexy <laughs> yeah I'm not I'm not and, I if a... there's both <laughs> thank you <laughs> There's some balling and, you know, a part of, and then, you know, that's my type of (laughs) thought. But it means you're like, uh, oh, you're hardballing me. Like,
4: oh, here you come in, really, like, coming in strong. You're like, no, I'm actually just being, like, uh, evolved and mature. That's why
3: I said the word of this segment is intentional.
4: Okay. Love it. We love some intentionality in 2022. It's important. Well, keep hardballing. Let us know how it goes.
3: I'm going to let you know a lot of things. (laughs)
4: Would you keep working if you got hit by a car? Well, let's talk about what happened to this TV reporter in West Virginia. Context,
3: please. Yeah.
4: <laughs> Who uh, shocked viewers during a live shot when she was actually struck by a vehicle Wait, th- I'm sorry. and
3: <laughs> just continued reporting. It's not funny that she was struck by a vehicle. I'm still stuck on your question. Would hey. you keep working if you got hit by a car? Of course not. Oh, oh, my, oh my gosh.
7: I... I got hit by a car, but I'm okay. I just got hit by a car, but I'm well, okay, Tim. That's the first um, for you on okay. TV, Jory.
0: Woo, we're all good. Are you okay? I'm okay. Yeah, you know that's live TV for you. It's all good. local reporters
3: local reporters do not get enough love for the work Mm, that they do for being in storms for being in hurricanes for being in just the worst conditions possible I mean getting hit by cars watching that visually your mouth will drop like it is something that is so wild to see that she was able to get back up and still do her job it was just wild to see that
4: there's so many things about this like one the Anchor doesn't even ask. Does she ask if she's well, okay? He does, and that's
3: the thing. He started making jokes. Well, yeah, like he started kind like of making like making about. it lighthearted. And it's just like, no, check on her. This is like a serious thing. She just got written. Let's let's be honest. This wasn't a Toyota Prius. This was like a big old like pickup truck. <laughs> it was a big truck that like knocked into her and almost like flattened her, like she was like some type of like play-doh or something. Is this like a normal thing that happens in West Virginia? Clearly, because I don't know, maybe this person don't have eyeballs but the fact that the the reporter was so sweet about it, she was like ma'am you're so sweet it's fine well that also goes back to yeah I when, her <laughs> right?
4: when you're a local news reporter and you're just like moving on up you're hustling it's sad how much you normalize the craziest stuff including i, I would say a lo- local news but in entertainment in general yeah like, the show must go on. Or do it for the views. Right? <laughs> it's like, we are going viral. Like, they all knew that. They're like, this moment,
3: you know, people are going to really eat this up. No, but it's so awful because I, it, not to, like, switch the tone of this, but I I even, I just think about those moments back in 2020 where reporters, there would be reporters in the height of the pandemic and they would be outside of hospitals and you would see them, like, the clips that went viral of them, like, barely even being able to make it through their reporting because of the heaviness of, like, talking about how many people are dying and all these things. Like local reporters, really have to go through a lot because they. I mean, they're essentially like essential workers on the front lines oh, reporting what is going on in the world. And I, I always just think about that in, in the sense of like, you know, they really deserve a lot more love than we give, uh, give them because it's just really insane to watch that, especially for. And this is like industry speak before a market that ain't even that big. <laughs> <laughs> Like if it was in L.A. or New York, all right, cool. Maybe, you know, you Al Roker in the middle of a hurricane, at least you get an Al Roker check. <laughs> right. But I'm not getting an Al Roker no. check when I'm in, you know, Podunk, West Virginia. Oh, that is true. No shade. Well, Tara,
4: hopefully Tori Yorgi or Yorgi is moving on up from here. I don't know. If you saw the morning show, you know, after Reese Witherspoon has that viral moment, she ends up on a national
3: morning show. Yeah, but the morning show is like watching crack actually happen and and being personified. It makes no sense.
4: (laughs) It makes no sense. So, Tori, we hope you're okay and you're enjoying this viral moment in your life, although it's probably not what you thought it would
3: be. And I hope you got some, like, I don't know, some, some Advil and some Bengay, because I know you're sore. <laughs> That's true. Okay, next up, we've got breaking news on Adele's
4: Vegas residency. That and more. Of what's trending this hour? Next. Okay, we're back. Lots coming up on the show today. We're getting into a lot with Dr. James Simmons.
3: Oh, yes. Oh, my God. Yes.
4: We're going to be talking about whether hospitals should ban the unvaccinated. The Howard Stern clip from his radio show that is causing a lot of controversy and discussion. And even divide here on Let's Go There. Oh, okay. And uh, COVID-19 immunity. We're going to be talking more about that, how long it could last as well. That is in 15 minutes. First, let's get into some what's trending this hour, though. Uh, now, this is just a trigger alert. This is a pretty intense story. Uh, two women from Texas were found tortured and shot to death with their bodies dismembered and left in trash bags in the Mexican border town of Juarez. On Sunday, the women were identified as married couple Noemi Medina Martinez and Uliza Ramirez from El Paso. The bags containing their remains were found 17 miles apart. One of the women's bodies was found in San Agustin neighborhood, while the other body was located in uh, Jesus Carranza village. So, just really uh, sad stuff over there. Uh, Karen Arviso of the Chihuahua Committee for Sexual Diversity told the Daily Mail the two were married in 2021 and were raising three children. Arviso said she's concerned the killings will go unsolved like many involving LGBTQ plus people. Wow. <laughs> Now, over the furious dissent of three liberal justices, the Supreme Court today rejected another attempt by abortion providers to block Texas's six-week abortion ban. The court's order, of course, is the latest setback for providers who are trying to revive challenges to the law five months after it was allowed to go into effect, bringing a a stop to most abortions in the country's second-largest state. The three liberal justices wrote a, a really scathing dissent, saying this case is a disaster for the rule of law and a grave disservice to women in Texas who have a right to control their own bodies. That's from Justice Sonia Sotomayor, uh, joined by Justices Stephen Breyer and Elena Kagan, who added, I will not stand by silently as a state continues to nullify this constitutional guarantee. And finally, estates with more relaxed gun laws have higher rates of firearm-related homicides and suicides. Oh, okay. Yeah, that's according to a new study. I was going to say not surprising from the nonprofit advocacy organization Every Town for Gun Safety. California, Hawaii, New York, and Massachusetts were all among the eight states with the tightest gun laws and the lowest rate of gun related deaths. Seems like uh, something could change in the other states. California came in the number one spot for restrictive gun laws, and Hawaii and Massachusetts reported the lowest number of gun deaths. Well, on the other end of the spectrum, if you're wondering, the study listed 13 states as falling pretty below the national average on both gun deaths and restrictive gun laws laws. Are you wondering what states those are? Well, they're not that surprising. Louisiana, Missouri, Wyoming, and Mississippi were rated as the states with the highest rate of deaths caused by gun violence. Every town said they did the study by analyzing the 50 most important policies in each state and categorizing those laws from the highest level of impact to the lowest. So, hopefully, this will make a difference uh, uh, when we look at gun laws and why policy should change. That's the hope. And that was what's treading this hour. What's happening in entertainment news, Ryan?
3: Oh, my God. It wasn't easy on her. Adele is postponing her Las Vegas residency because of covid it's time for the tea report those pop culture stories trending right now in a hi. tearful video here is what she had to say
9: hi um um listen i'm so sorry
6: but um hmm. my show ain't ready we've tried absolutely everything that we can to put it together
9: in time and for it to be good enough for you but we've been absolutely destroyed
3: by Yeah, so with that as well, she most definitely, uh, she announced that half her crew has COVID. Um, And, you know, she had been set to perform almost every weekend at the Caesars from this week through April 16th. Um, Of course, the show was titled Weekends with Adele. It's kind of wild, though. You know, I always like to poke holes and stuff. It's Uh wild that she's just now announcing this a day before. You know, like, it's like, it's... People so have probably thing. had COVID for a I'll, while. I'll, I'll, I'll say the other, and it side feels a little irresponsible. If I'm being honest, I know you can't like, you know, you can't really. If it was a, a last minute thing, but like, girl, your crew, half of your crew testing positive for COVID, you're just now saying something, Adele. I don't know, girl. You should. Yeah, you should have done a little bit pulled,
4: better. Uh, was it pulled the cord? Yeah. Up, uh, last week, like a week before. Thing is. And as someone who's had COVID, it's like every day you're like thinking you're gonna go maybe negative, or like things could take a turn we don't realize. So and, and maybe she was scrambling to get replacements. And she realized yeah. that it just couldn't
3: happen. Well, the big thing here, and I love that producer. Uh, I almost called you Jason. Just <laughs> how dare you? I don't even know who Jason is. <laughs> I love that you 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 bought this up. People have bought airline tickets. People have bought hotels. You're just now telling people like a couple, like a day before that you're not going to be able to do this. It just it you know. Yeah.
4: What are what what are they going to do in terms of? Well, they're funding po- those people. They're postponing stuff. Yeah, and but hopefully... what if you, you flew out? That's true. I mean, if anything, then okay. they should just do, uh, hey, Adele, go on stage. And just say hi to those people. They
3: deserve. Yeah, it's not going to happen. I mean, who knows if she's, we don't know if she's the one with COVID. We just know that her crew is. What if she has it as well? Either way, I'm sorry to be delivering bad news. Don't shoot the messenger, all I'm saying. Um, Adele, you should have done better than that. That is your T-Report. We got more coming up next hour. So
4: much compassion.
3: No, I'm, are you Hill kidding me? Pe- people yeah. are really like going oh, yeah, to have sure. to go through that. I'm
4: sure. Well, next up, what long-term COVID immunity could look like? Dr. James Simmons joins us for that next. While the numbers around COVID are tragic, the one silver lining is the natural immunity that comes from it. And here to share more about long-term COVID-19 immunity is our favorite Dr. James Simmons. Yes, yes, yes.
8: Hello, hello, hello.
3: Well, welcome back. Hello. Uh, Can't Uh, get rid of us that quickly. (laughs) (laughs)
8: <laughs> Absolutely, I would. I would never want to get rid of you.
3: <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I would. <laughs> <laughs> anyway,
4: well, let's talk about it because you know, obviously, when you get COVID, and when I got it, you know, the one thing was like, well, at least you're you have immunity now. You know, maybe you don't need to get the booster or anything. A lot of people like you think that. So, way. first, uh, what does <laughs> long term immunity look like? Because immunity doesn't last forever when you get it, right?
8: No, it it doesn't last forever. But huh? they're eh, I guess I can't say that with confidence. And I hem and haw a little bit because I think it's important for all of us to sort of recognize that we don't fully understand what long-term immunity to COVID is going to look like. We, we only sort of really understand what long-term immunity to other illnesses, particularly viral illnesses, looks like. Remember, viruses are really, really tricky. They are something that we just as a species have not dealt with very well over time, uh, like literally in our, in our, you know, being human beings and our species. So, you know, vaccines are obviously one of the best ways that we've come up with to deal with viruses. And both vaccines and prior infection. Trigger kind of two different responses in our immune system, and I could go way down the science train in medical, and it would make me super happy because I would nerd out about all of this. But essentially, I will tell you that there's sort of a short term and a long term uh, immunity, and short term is these antibodies that everybody talks about. Oh my gosh, do I have antibodies against COVID or you know SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID-19? Do I have antibodies against X, Y, and Z? That's part of it, and that's really, really great to know. Like, what is your antibody stance? You know, early on, a lot of people were wondering. Do I have antibodies, which means I might have been infected already, but I was asymptomatic. That's yeah. great, but those don't last forever. The other pathway to this is this sort of longer-term immunity, which is like our T and B cells, right? If you go back to like biology class in high school, I was totally so you're learning you about T cells. Too. Yeah, this immediate response, as well as B cells, that are kind of help out with the whole thing. Those guys are getting trained right now. Like, Mm -hmm. they are at the CrossFit gym, getting trained, either by the vaccines or prior infection. I think those are really going to come into play for all of us long
4: term. At least someone's going to the gym.
3: (laughs) Well, speak for yourself. I'm (laughs) going to the gym. Um, No, but here's the thing. I always really want to put into perspective. How quickly is our immune systems actually adapting in this pandemic?
8: Hmm. Excellent question. Literally, the second we come into contact with something, our immune system is is constantly working, constantly working. We are insulted by um, things outside of us all the time, every day. And the reason we don't get sick every day, the reason we don't eat some food that had a funky bacteria in it and then instantaneously get diarrhea is because our immune system has learned all of these things over our lifespan and learned how to protect us. That's that longer term immunity, that sort of second pathway, if if you will. So what our immune system is doing right now, either from vaccines or from prior infection, is working on both. So we get these this antibody response that's really, really great. Everyone's talking about, oh, antibody response from Moderna or Pfizer or whatever. That's all fine and dandy. What those vaccines are also helping us do is that second pathway, that long-term one. So the second we come into COVID, uh, come into contact with SARS-CoV-2, the virus that causes COVID, if you happen to get it, vaccinated or not, you're kicking your immune system in. And some part of your immune system is going to remember that for a long time. What we don't know is... How well is our immune system going to react to this Mm -hmm. down the road with subsequent variants? So the variants are going to change, right? There's going to be new variants all the time. They likely will continue to go the Omicron route, maybe be kind of contagious, but also like maybe not make most people very sick. That's kind of good news. So then if our immune system is recognizing that, we may not even really get sick from it because we had this long-term immunity pathway.
4: Interesting. So... You know, if I get the booster, well, I am getting the booster. I have an appointment for it. Um, and then I get COVID again because I've had it before and also because I have a vaccine. It won't be as bad. And maybe in the future, even if this continues, if you get it after that, it just gets less and less, you could say.
8: Presumably. And what the way I kind of like to clarify this for a lot of folks is like, listen, so I'll use my husband and I for an example. I get a cold every year. Uh, about the same time every year for some reason. I get a cold. It knocks me on my butt for four or five days. I'm like completely out of commission. I pop back up out of it. I feel better about a week later. That cold is probably a virus that I have come into contact with many times throughout my lifetime. Colds are often coronaviruses as well. They're cousins of COVID-19. So our body my body, the reason that cold doesn't put me in the ICU, kill me, or make you know cause horrible symptoms or whatever, is because my immune system recognizes it, uh, it fights it, and knows how to you know sequester it, kill it, get rid of it, etc. My husband's immune system has also been exposed to this many, many, many times, but his immune system is so adept. at not even allowing that virus to cause him any symptoms or really rev up his immune system like his immune system is great so it sequesters it right away gets rid of it he doesn't even know that he came into contact with it or was even infected by something either way both of our immune systems work really really great to prevent us from getting super super sick or dying and that's really the key here
3: Well, I feel super educated, and that's why we're going to keep you around, because coming up next, one celebrity is speaking out uh, about COVID and saying that hospitals should ban the unvaccinated. What are our thoughts? Mm. That is coming up next. Howard Stern, of course, holds nothing back, and on a recent episode of his show, he said that hospitals across the U.S. should not admit patients who are unvaccinated against COVID. Here is what he had to say
1: now if it was up to me anyone unvaccinated would not be admitted to a hospital
8: at this point they've been given plenty of opportunity to get the vaccine no one's sitting there conspiring against you americans don't want to create a vaccine that's going to turn you into a robot and magnetize you there's enough americans now have taken it look at us as a sampling when nothing has happened to us it's time for you to get it now if you don't get it in my america Uh, all hospitals would be closed to you. You're going to go home and die.
3: And we're back with Dr. James Simmons at Ask the NP. Thank you so much for joining us.
8: Ooh, Howard is... Pressed,
3: isn't right. he? very well here's the pressed. thing, it's, it's spicy talking. I mean it even has I will say off air we had a very um uh, I feel heated. like well not heated or uh, on, you know beautiful spice it up discussion here. um about this. What are your thoughts? Is it ethical to to think this way? Like or to do this? Should hospitals really be implementing this?
8: No, absolutely not. We should not be implementing this. We, we, took a, we took an oath as a physician or a nurse or whatever you are to take care of people regardless. I mean, unfortunately, and this is a kind of a different conversation, but I will bring this parallel in a little bit. I have taken care of known multiple child sexual abuse um, predators. I have taken care of known leaders of Ku Klux Klan groups. As a black man, um, I have done this as a nurse. So there's a whole conversation in all of that. Not that I was happy about it. Not that I didn't try, you know, the second I was able to excuse myself from that, you know, whatever. So if we're going to come back to people who are choosing to not get the vaccine, I always go back to this line that really helps me. No matter how angry I get, because I do get angry, because I am eyeballs deep in sick people in the hospital right now. And those who are here with COVID, because of COVID, are unvaccinated. Mm. But here's where I get to people are not bad, their information is. So I, as someone who identifies as liberal, I get my news sources from particular places, and I generally only do that. My algorithm on Instagram you know, uh, feeds me what it feeds me. My algorithm on Facebook, on Twitter, et cetera, feeds me things that tend to perpetuate my political beliefs, my stances on um, social, economic, political issues. So I have to actually consciously go look for anti-vaxxer information. I have to consciously, actively go look for right-wing, conservative, hyper-Christian political opinions about any myriad of sources. So if this is how my algorithm, as a doctorally trained mm-hmm. nurse in the media, as a talking head, if this is my, how my algorithm works, how does someone else's algorithm works? right? Yep. I always have to come back to that and think, if Howard was saying this in a world where every single person got the same information all the time and it was Mm well-vetted, scientific, accurate information, fine, then I think he has a case. The problem here is a much, much bigger one about the types of information that people have, I don't think, because I see it in my practice people are not getting good information about the vaccines. They're not actually making educated choices to not get a vaccine. They're making Joe Rogan choices to not get a vaccine. Uh, And that's where I have issue with when when Howard Stern says something like that. So
4: that's the thing. I do think while we're not supporting people who are unvaccinated or go out of their way to get others sick and are doing the wrong thing, I do think it's dangerous for... Howard Stern with his platform to be saying something like that because then he represents this like liberal point of view and then it's like oh you think we're unethical look at you you you," like it it creates more of a a divided uh, community that we're in right now I feel like in state
3: I challenge that just because we're already there and I think people are fed up and I think they are valid to feel fed up at the state that we're in, where there are still people who, yes, are, you know, they are getting fueled bias information based off of their own biases. Right. And I understand there's been a lot of misinformation. But like, I, I also am one of those people who feel, well, if we don't do something, not maybe not as drastic as this, if we don't set some sort of like parameters or accountability or, or actually get to. You know, have some accountability where people have to learn their lesson at this point. I, I don't know how we're gonna ever get out of this pandemic. It's really disheartening that there are people who are. Actually, out there causing a lot of ruckus and like actually getting other people sick. And actually, when there are nurses and doctors who are feeling overwhelmed by this every single day, and like it just feels like the the more that people do listen to the Joe Rogans or do, you know, uh, do these anti vaxxer type of things and they move in this way, it, we're never going to collectively get better. And so, what are we supposed to do? Just stay in this the entire time? No, you So, do I understand things the you... frustration. Yeah. I understand the frustration. Hit him in the,
8: hit him in the pocketbook.
3: Yeah, exactly. I, I agree. I, I, I totally agree. I think we should a, do that. I think we
8: yeah. should do that. There's a happy medium in this. Exactly. But that's applaud, never going to happen. I applaud the insurance companies yeah, who said, it's already happening." we're going to send bit. you a bunch of information. Mm-hmm. We're going to tell you how safe the vaccine is. You have to accept this information before you can even re-enroll into our insurance program. They did that during open enrollment this last year. If you want insurance XYZ, you got to read this information. you got to tell me that you understand this information about vaccines. Cool. You want our insurance? You have to get the vaccine. If you go to the hospital and have a COVID-19 diagnosis, guess who's not paying for it? And you're going to get Stuck with a four hundred thousand dollar hospital bill. Once you said, just look at all the sports players. Ninety-eight and a half percent of the NFL is vaccinated, uh, but when they surveyed those players, only seventy percent of them actually wanted to get it. How do you think that other twenty-eight percent got that vaccine? Because they got told, "Boo boo, you're not going to play if you don't get this vaccine." So I think there's ways in the middle to come to this conversation. I listen, Howard has a platform. He has been controversial since 1982 yeah, or Howard's whatever. That's great. That's what he does. I love bit, it he's trying to push the envelope. He's not as
4: controversial these days. Not but yeah, he's true. like in this war against Joe Rogan now. But you can't I mean yeah. I think is y'all can't try to hold him to,
3: accountable into the fire when no one barely holds Joe Rogan to the fire. Oh, I just I
4: know we all are.
3: Just she I, doesn't that's care. That's not necessarily true. That's Joe not necessarily Rogan's true. Ego. Is like as big as I, I don't even know. What. I just understand people's frustration when it when we have totally. to do it, and then also even when it comes to yes, insurance, pe- like insurance companies doing that and, and, and you know kind of taxing people. I still think to some folks who are you know wealthy or who don't care about money, money is not a motivator to a lot of people, especially in this country. Like that that a lot of times people don't care about these th- those things, and so if that doesn't work, then what's next? We just keep on Mm -hmm. being like, oh, yeah, we'll figure it out.
8: I I do have to go back to, so we have some Christian-based, some faith-based hospital systems. And what what I go back to is, great, okay, so you didn't take PrEP. And you got HIV, sorry, we're not going to take care of you if you're sick enough to be admitted to this hospital it's because a, you got yeah, HIV. It's, it's, so very much, I feel like if, if we if we go down this road, it's a slippery slope, a slippery slope yep. and our community, being people of color and queer, we're going to be the first ones to take the hit. So I feel like there's, I, I applaud Howard for saying what he said, because he gets to do that on his platform, and he gets to let us have this conversation. I think the solution is somewhere in the middle, and it's probably going to be driven financially.
4: Agree. Just because someone else is unethical doesn't mean... And you should... Be unethical as well,
3: but I think you're allowed to have your feelings and voice them. Of course, you can be angry and ethical.
8: Both can exist. That's why, listen, Howard Stern's getting paid hundred million dollars a year or whatever it is to have this opinion to push. No, for sure, and also we have to we have
3: to be honest as we wrap this up that not everything is like rainbows and and unicorns and is like as nice as we're putting it out and thinking in that way. Like people are fed up, and it's it's valid to feel that way. And so, thank you, Dr. James, for joining us. We really appreciate you, y'all. Please follow Ask the MP because when I tell you it would be the best follow you have ever made in your entire life I'm telling you that you can you can literally like come at me if you don't feel
8: like it but you know
1: I, I'm <laughs> down to fight for that me, one a lot
3: of fighting I am I'm down
1: know,
8: to fight right? for that one. <laughs> Oh, thank you darling I appreciate that I love these spicy conversations too can't wait for the next one
3: I know <laughs> all right what's coming up next year?
4: Uh, speaking of spicy conversations what a divorce registry looks like okay let's do it next well, breaking up is hard to do as we know. And what do you do when all your stuff was taken from you?
3: Oh, my God. I feel like I'm back at a bar in Nashville. You
4: know, well, two new companies, Fresh Starts. All out. right.
3: How <laughs> offensive. No.
4: I mean, I kind of made me feel like I could act. It was pretty so I was
3: good, that. actually. It was pretty, like, dead on.
4: So there are two new companies that have popped up that want to help you with that. Fresh Starts Registry and Divorcist will help recent divorces put their lives back together one blender at a time, it says. So, basically, they're saying, like, a a regular registry, right? You have one for your wedding or your baby. You could put one together for your divorce. A whole list
3: of the things that you need as you move on with your life. Well, I know this is probably, like, really centered for, like, you know, women or, you know, people who identify. Because, I mean, this is, it says, I mean, I'm looking at the article and it's literally showing... That's women unfair who are going because this. I think everyone needs this. I, no, I. Agree. That's literally what my next statement was going to be before you oh, really. Interrupted. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> no, because I, I do think this is uh, interesting. But like, I'm always someone in any like relationship or how I imagine myself in a marriage. I'm always someone who's kind of like planning ahead, and like even if I have a side account, like this is something that I would want to make sure I have just in case the relationship doesn't pan out, where I'm not you know having to do something like this. But I understand. And when like let's say you're a stay at home parent and mm-hmm. you have you you know, you're not able to work or you're not able to do things and then like the relationship doesn't work out, yeah, you need some help. And like this list is kinda of like a instead of having a divorce party, just get people to or have a divorce party and then people can get bring you gifts at this said divorce party. Yeah. And this is from your registry. So it is actually like a, a really interesting thing that I'm I'm like, oh wow. You know, and you don't even need
4: to get a divorce, just to break up. You know how many times I've had to start from scratch? I had nothing, you know. My thankfully, my well, mom was nice like enough. It seems like you were a
3: fully functioning adult. Really. Yet.
4: Oh, wasn't. You weren't. No, I was. I yeah, thought you said I was.
3: No, it seems like you were not a fully functioning adult.
4: I mean, I was fortunate enough. My mom would come every time I would have a breakup and have to move out to help me set up again. It was really? depressing. Actually. I mean,
3: yeah, that sounds depressing. I would never want to be in that space where I like didn't have my own. Like even in relationships, like I feel like it's so important to have your own in in your own setup to always just be okay because at any moment anything could happen, and what are you going to do? Like you should not be just. Out here, willy-nilly, willy nilly, just depending on somebody else. Here's the thing: that's very willy nilly. Just that, not thing. feel prepared,
4: Mister Single, who hasn't been. But are you are you prepared if you
3: and your partner break up? You to, don't to really get, get
4: into a relationship at that level, being like, but, "Oh, I'm gonna prepare." I'm no, gonna you no, know that's what, that's I, what prenups here, are. Here's the thing,
3: I and why wow, gonna be homeless one no, day. No, because she ain't gonna be
4: prepared. I have been unprepared many a times, which is why I have nothing now. Which is why I don't have my own place, and because I also I've let go of all my fun- furniture because. Every time, like what having a storage that you're paying hundreds of dollars for with all your stuff, at a certain point, you let that go because if you're moving into someone's place that is great and they have everything, no, I why get that, not? But
3: you, you sell that furniture and you put that money in a separate bank account and you use that as a savings account well, like, so you can like build up on it. So if something happens in your next relationship, with and God forbid it doesn't, you can at least have a separate account where you got money and you have a separate account where you gotta break away and, much, and get in how much and start things are you together? thinking I'm selling
4: on Craigslist? Like a couch and a bed frame. That's like savings for like a whole setup.
3: I'm surprised that there's so much pushback from the person who just said your mom had to help you come back as a grown woman (laughs) to help you get your life together.
4: Have you ever had a breakup and just been in a bad place? I'll take the support I could get.
3: Sure, it's time to be an adult, please.
4: (laughs) Wrapping up the show as we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes Queen. Now, 58 trans celebrities, elected officials, and notable people, including Elliot Page, Jazz Jennings, Miss Major, and Delaware State Senator Sarah McBride, have joined the Transgender Legal Defense and Education Fund to file a friend-of-the-court brief in support of a case fighting to overturn a discriminatory Arkansas law. Uh, Now, The Save Adolescents from Experimentation Act passed in March after the the legislator overrode the veto, banned doctors from providing gender-affirming care of of any kind to trans youth, including hormone therapy and reverse puberty blockers. So really horrible stuff, and they've come together to try to end this.
3: And, you know, th- these efforts are so important, um because as more celebrities come out and speak about it, honestly, is like creating the perfect storm, right? we We hope to see that it, it does something just to further educate people. But I-, it- I also feel like it it's become it's a part of the most perfect little thing because we literally just talked about Kai Shepley uh, Shapley, right? Yeah, who
4: was the time person of the year, kids like the kid person of the year? Yeah,
3: she's like the kid person of the year. the kids of the year. Yes.
4: Um, and it, that's a perfect segue because this whole uh, thing ended with longtime trans activist Cecilia Gentili declaring that it's time to listen to trans youth. So, with that, let's listen to Kai Shapley's statement to the Congress last year.
9: Texas legislators have been attacking me since pre K. I am in fourth grade now. When it comes to bills that target trans youth, I immediately feel angry. It's been very scary and overwhelming. It makes me sad that some politicians use trans kids like me to get votes from people who hate me just because I exist. God made me, God loves me for who I am and God does not make mistakes.
3: Period, woo, what a way to end yes
4: Exactly, <laughs> and I mean, I could listen to that every day yeah just play that clip on loop yeah it's it's inspiring I wish she didn't have to say it yeah, but uh, she's definitely but doing this work it. exactly so again a big yes queen to all those individuals who are coming together to fight these laws as well yes so queen and that does it for our show today, but we are back tomorrow wrapping up the week with you. 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern, live on Channel Q. Char Giselle is joining us on the third mic here.
3: Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. Today's Thursday. Tomorrow's Friday. Yeah, the, we've got <laughs> Girl, the party
4: show tomorrow please, with Char. that's going to be exciting. Uh, we're going to be... Also talking more about the NCAA's new transgender athlete policy. All right. And, of course, bringing you the top of the hour news, entertainment, so much more. If you miss any of our shows or interviews, we post everything as a podcast. Just go to the Odyssey app or where podcasts are available and search Let's Go There with Shira and Ryan. We are sending you love and light.
3: And, honey, remember to slay.
4: Now stick around for Love Line with Dr. Chris right after this.
2: This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy